Well, good morning, church. Why don't y'all stand up on your feet as we worship together?
Yeah.
church. Y'all can be seated. So if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name's Ethan, and I'm the worship pastor here at Shelby Christian. And church this morning, I don't know about you, but I really love that song that we just sang. You know, it, it paints this picture of how our God can take something ugly and broken like a grave and turn it into something beautiful like a garden. And all throughout scripture, all throughout our, the history of the church, we've seen how God can do that. Take these dead things and turn them into something beautiful. And every week here at Shelby Christian, we take time through a time of communion to remember when Jesus took something ugly and broken like the, the image of the cross and turned it into something beautiful and a symbol of hope. So today, here in just a minute, we're going to ask you all to stand up, come and get your elements and return to your seats. But as you're doing that, let's remember and reflect and thank God for what he did through the cross. Let's pray today. God, we are so, so thankful today for your cross. Of how you took something that was an image of torture, God. It was an image of brokenness, God, and turn it into the biggest symbol of hope that we have in our world, God. God, I pray that as we go throughout our week, that we, as we go throughout our day, even God, that you would remind us of that. What a symbol of hope the cross is to us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
be seated. It's no easy job, Sam. Take care of a woman. No, sir. They expect things they never asked for. And when they don't get them, they ask you why. Sometimes they don't ask. And they just go ahead and punish you for not doing something you didn't know you were supposed to do in the first place. What, for instance, sir? Well, that's a very difficult question to answer, Sam. You're never quite sure. It's just that it's sort of, you might say, relative. Relative to what, sir? To how they're feeling at the moment. And how's that? You never know. Uh, I don't believe I really understand what you're trying to tell me, sir. I know, I know. I never understood it myself. I never understood it. It's just one of those things, Sam. It's around, and you just don't ever see it. Now, suppose... Suppose Jenny started to cry one day. You don't know what she's crying about, so you ask her why. Do you follow me, Sam? Yes, sir. You ask her, and she won't tell you. And that's when you ask her what it was you did that caused her to cry. She still won't tell you. And that's when you start to get angry. But don't get angry, Sam. She won't tell you why she's crying because she doesn't know. Women are like that, Sam. And it's exasperating. It's... it's mm-hmm. But don't let it make you angry. None. When she gets like that, just walk up and hug her a little bit. Because that's all they really want when they're like that, Sam. Little loving. You understand me, don't you? No, sir. You don't, huh? There's something else you must remember. Husbands like to be alone once in a while. Why? You never know why. But I can always tell when James wants to be alone. A mood comes over him. I can always see it in his eyes before it really gets there. I don't know where the mood comes from or why. But that's when I leave him alone. It seems sometimes things get so thick around a man that he comes to feel that everything is closing in on him. And that's when he wants to be left alone. You understand, don't you? No. Wow. We all have expectations, don't we? Come into relationships with certain inbred, instinctive, wrong expectations. Let me ask you this, and I'm glad you guys, man, you guys come in the rain. 
I appreciate that. Uh, not just the rain. I, you know, animals are lining up, right? Uh, they're, they're lining up out there. But so I'm glad you're here. For those of you online, we're glad you're here. But I want to ask you to do something. If you're online right now, uh, in the text bar, what just just let us know what was your greatest expectation of marriage? If you're here. Why don't you text that right now to our prayer line? It's 502-487-4527. I'd love to know. What's your greatest expectation uh, in marriage? Now, here's the deal. I got a spoiler alert, all right? We're going to go right for the... We're jumping right in, all right? Spoiler alert. Get ready for this, okay? Here here we go. This is huge. This is fundamental. It's, it, it, may be, it may save your marriage, uh, whether you're in one now or you're going to be in one. This is fundamental. You got to know this, okay? You got to hang on to this. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Here we go. This is big. This is huge. Nobody's ever thought of this before, okay? So write it down, all right? If you're taking notes, if you want to add it to the commandments, it's number 11, all right? Chill in stone. You need to know this, all right? Men and women are different, all right? That's worth, that's worth you getting up and coming out in the rain today to get that information. Men and women are different. And here, here's the add-on to that. Here's the catch of that. It's not just the biological part that's different, all right? It's how we're wired. It's how we think. Just like in that clip from the movie Shenandoah where I just love it. Jimmy Stewart's giving advice and you can just feel it. I mean, you can just feel it. He's pouring that advice into his future son-in-law, the man who's going to marry his daughter. And he's warning him. He's warning him. That's not that he doesn't love his daughter. He just knows he's been around the block. And so he's warning him. And I just love that last. You understand, right? No. <laughs> and at the same time, uh, his wife is upstairs talking to their daughter about it. And she's explaining men and things like it. And she gets to the point and says, you understand? No. No. Because here's what I have found out. Here's what I found out. If you think you understand, you really don't. And this, this series we're in called Marriage Crashers. So far, we have dealt with uh, the baggage that we bring into marriage. Kevin did a great job last week dealing with how we, how we fight well and deal with conflict in marriage. But today we're going to deal with the crasher known as expectations. Expectations. Have you ever gone to a restaurant that some friend of yours recommended? And they told you not only that the restaurant was great, they told you a specific dish. You got to go here and you got to order this. And so you did. And it just, wasn't what you were expecting. It, it just didn't match up. Or maybe it was a movie. Maybe somebody told you, hey, you got to go see this movie. It's awesome. It's great. And you got there and, and about, you know, 45 minutes into it, you're trying to figure out how to get your 12 bucks back and, and to get out of there. See, you can always get up and walk out of a bad movie or a bad restaurant where your steak wasn't cooked right. But walking out of a marriage, that's a little bit different story. That's a little bit different story. And the collateral damage is so painful. Now, the connection to our wedding vows this week is for richer, for poorer. 
See, we come in with these expectations and then we stand in front of a preacher or a magistrate or whoever that marries us and we get to that part of the vows and we say for richer, for poor, and we probably seldomly expect our marriage to be wealthy in terms of finances or otherwise. That's, but we're, and then we say, you know, for poor and we don't really expect to be dirt poor financially or relationally. So what do we expect? What do we expect and what can we do to keep it from crashing into and crushing our marriages? I think we've got to begin by understanding some unrealistic expectations that a lot of us, a lot of people bring in the world. So here's the deal. If you're already married and you've maybe been married for quite a while, there, there's some wisdom here, just like Jimmy Stewart was doing, that we need to pass on to our kids and to our grandkids to help debunk some unrealistic expectations that they might have. If you're not married yet or you're not married currently, or maybe you don't even care to be married, it's information you can share with us, but you need to just, what are expectations for any relationship, including marriage, and which ones are realistic and which ones aren't? Because when it comes to marriage, no matter how much you think you know about marriage, you really don't. The overwhelming majority of people who say I do really do mean it. Uh, although they're just as confused as Jimmy Stewart's future son-in-law and daughter. And Jesus, Jesus had followers that thought they understood what it was going to be like to follow him. They were gung-ho, they were on board, they were starting to see some really cool things. They loved what he said, and so they're like, let's go, let's go, let's go. But they were a little unrealistic in their expectations. And so Jesus kind of has this moment where he has to set them straight in Matthew chapter 8. Here's how he set them straight. He said, all right, come on, let's go. But understand this, understand this. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. This is not going to be an easy journey, is what Jesus was saying to his followers. And Although marriage was designed by God, created by God, and it's a wonderful thing, everything about it, it's not an easy journey because it's the mending of relationships. So we better put away some unrealistic expectations or may find yourself with no place to lay your head. There's an unrealistic expectation that a lot of us carry that we can find a perfect spouse. That there is that perfect spouse. That there is that Mr. Right or Mrs. Right or that perfect person out there. And it's just a matter of living our life in such a way that there's this cosmic collision of these two perfect people that were designed to be together. (laughs) There is no such thing. Many of our unrealistic expectations of a perfect spouse happen long before we ever meet the person that we're going to marry. Little girls, little girls watch movies and TV shows and they dream of a perfect wedding and they're told to go look for Prince Charming. This wonderful, handsome, muscular, intelligent man. And that's what they're looking for. By the time little boys become teenagers and realize girls don't really have cooties, then the expectation cycle is already spinning for them. They're so confused, they don't know where to hop in, hop off, or just hope it quits spinning sooner or later. 
I heard of a comedian telling about seeing a beautiful young woman at the gym where he was working out. He was single, and he just, every day he saw her, and he finally worked up his courage. I'm going to talk to her. And so one day, as hard as it was, he walked up, and he just started off with, you're really pretty. To which the lady kind of snidely says, oh, yeah? Tell me something I haven't heard before. Really? He thought for a minute. He said, okay, you're really smart. That'll hit you this afternoon. In his book, Men Read Newspapers, Not Minds, or in her book, uh, Men Read Newspapers, Not Minds, Sandra Aldridge says this, that the marriage license should come with a warning label. It should say on your marriage license, another person cannot meet all your needs. The only person who can meet all your needs is Jesus, and he had to die first. Marriage is tough. And if you're looking for a perfect spouse, that's an unrealistic expectation because we're all human. The Bible tells us all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. That means we're not perfect. So if we're not perfect in and of ourselves, we can't be a perfect spouse. So that's an unrealistic expectation. There's the unrealistic expectation of perfect intimacy. One of the things that sin immediately messed up was intimacy, sexuality. Immediately, you read in the Genesis account, you, you read of sin, and we're immediately following the original sin, Adam and Eve became uncomfortable with their sexuality. The Bible tells us that they realized they were naked and afraid. When God came and walked, this evening walked through the garden and he couldn't find them and he cried out. And finally, when he has that conversation with Adam, we were hiding because we were naked and afraid. To which God says, who told you you were naked? You see, that wasn't an issue before. And, and sin messed with this ideal, uh, this ideal situation that God had created. And we've got this beautiful utopia of Genesis 1 and 2. And then we got Genesis 3. And it messed with everything. Everything. And so we go into marriage sometimes with this idea that, oh man, you know, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. In the few cases where, where people have saved themselves and, oh, it's going to be wonderful. But now we've evolved to a place past the Garden of Eden where society not only doesn't believe in pure sexual intimacy being reserved for a husband and a wife in marriage, but the thought of saving yourself for marriage that's considered unrealistic in the world that we live in today. There's unrealistic expectation that we'll find the perfect companion, perfect compatibility. Now, Kevin did an awesome job last week talking about conflict and this unrealistic expectation that we're never going to disagree and that we're going to be perfectly compatible. <clears throat> but it, it bears reminding that marriage is this unique relationship of two people with two backgrounds, two families, and two opinions, at least two opinions. It's unrealistic to think that marriage will be perfect each and every day. And, and so we've just got, it doesn't, that doesn't mean we need to run from it, we need to avoid it, we just need to know what it is. 
We just need to know what we're dealing with and, and be able to face it head on. So when we go to a doctor, I don't know about you, but I think most of us, just tell me what it is. I just want to know. I just want to know so I know what I'm up against, so I know what I'm facing. And we need to go into marriage with that same, just tell me what it is. I'll figure it out because I actually do love that person. I'll figure it out. But I just want to know what it is. So what are some realistic expectations? Better said, what are some realistic biblical expectations of marriage? And they're powerful. The first one is this. And we really could stop here because it's huge. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is a realistic expectation of marriage. That's what we say when we exchange those vows. Every phrase of those vows, I take you. I, I take you. That means I'm going to be faithful to you. You know, for in sickness and in health, I, yeah, I'm going to take care. I'm going to be there with you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. There is that expectation that I'm going to be faithful in the middle of all those things. Solomon, the wisest man that ever walked the planet, wrote in the book of Proverbs in chapter 2, he said this. He, he was talking, he said, about the woman, he said, she has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made before God. And then in chapter 5, verse 15, he said, drink water from your own well, share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? Solomon's saying the realistic expectation is that those things won't happen, that you will remain faithful. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Unfortunately, here's what's happened. Unfortunately, over the centuries, too many of our kids now, today, are growing up in homes where mom and dad are not faithful to each other. They haven't been faithful to each other. And what I see is with each passing generation, it becomes more and more accepted and now even expected. But a realistic expectation is no will remain faithful. You see, God's plan is not for things to evolve to him, and it's not accepted by him. You know, while the world may say, oh, that stuff's okay, God doesn't say that. God's word remains true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, here, let me give you this. The most important marriage advice that you can give to your child is being faithful to your spouse and modeling that for the next generation. See, I, I, I know situations, I deal with situations where there's things that are generational. I don't necessarily think they're generational curses. They're just generational things. It's just happened, it's happened, it's happened, it's happened. And some of those things, we need to draw a line in the sand and say it stops here. It stops here. Because we can't change the past, right? The past is the past. It's happened. But, but there needs to be a, a mighty generation of people, of adults that will model and young people that will adopt this. No, I want to do what God says. I want that expectation in my life. World's changed. World's changed. Years ago, some of the younger generation doesn't even know this name, but years ago, uh, dear Abby received this letter. She received this letter and said, Dear Abby, I, I'm having a relationship with two different women. I love them both, but I can't marry them both. Please tell me what to do, but don't give me any of that morality stuff. 
Dear Abby responded, Dear Sir, the only difference between humans and animals is morality. I suggest you consult your veterinarian. (laughs) Just because everybody's doing it doesn't make that a realistic expectation. The realistic expectation is to be faithful. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, But among you there must not even be a hint, a hint of sexual immorality. See, the world's expectations are so far, so far from God's expectations. And that makes series like this difficult. It, it It makes preachers not be able to sleep. Because they know the things they're saying are countercultural. It makes people sitting in chairs squirm a little bit. And it even makes some people stay at home because they know what's coming. See, the world's expectations are so far from God. Here's what the world expects. The world expects friends with benefits. The world expects alternative lifestyles. The world expects cohabitation, but God says there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. It's serious stuff. Now, hear me very clearly when I say this, because God also, well, he says there shouldn't be a hint. God also says this, hear me, that God also says, but my grace is sufficient. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, who you've done it with. That was outside of God. God says, my grace is sufficient. But along with that, we have to go back to Jesus with that woman caught in the very act of adultery. And her sins are forgiven. But what does he leave her with? These words. Go and sin no more. Don't just keep playing that card. Don't just keep coming back for that grace card to be played for you. His grace is sufficient. But he says, go and sin no more. So the first realistic expectation, and I could stay here all day, but we need to move on. The first realistic expectation is faithfulness. There should be faithfulness in marriage. The second one is this. Home is to be a safe place. Your home needs to be a safe place. Paul said, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Man, I, I, I don't have a lot of time to spend here, so let me cut right to the chase. And I'll say this in every service. I'll say this every one-on-one counseling. Ladies, listen very closely to me. If you are living in fear of your husband, if he is threatening you, hitting you, abusing the kids, get out and get help. We'll stand, but that was not God's design. And just because you said I do, you said I do to faithfulness. And the faithfulness on the husband's part is not to be abusive. So we got to fix it, get out. But ideally, the help will involve reconciliation. Now, this obviously applies both ways. <laughs> there was a time and place where I could say that just to ladies. But the reverse is true in those situations. Because those situations do exist. But here's a fundamental truth. A wife should find protection at home, not need protection at home. Home should be a safe place. That's a realistic expectation. 
The third realistic expectation I want to share with you is just this. Just share the load. Just share the load. We're going to talk about some of the differences in a minute. But the world has some basic stereotypes of what men do and what women do. And the problem is the ones we land on aren't necessarily the ones that God designed and meant to be the end all, do all, this is it. <clears throat> we think about women. Women, what's the world? Cook, clean, do the dishes, fold the clothes. Men, work on cars, mow the grass, sit and watch TV. That's just kind of what it is, right? But you know what? I actually kind of like folding clothes. I like mowing grass, and I like both of them for the same reason. I can do straight lines, and I can see when the work is done. And so in a world where I very seldomly get to see the end results of things, I kind of like not having to think about something and folding the T-shirt, and it's got creased, and I'm like, I'm done. I like mowing the grass. So some of the things would fall, but some of them wouldn't. You know, I don't mind doing yard work at all, but when I'm overwhelmed with it, Kim has always been quick to volunteer to mow, come out and help me shovel snow. Because if we land on those stereotypical, this is what you do and this is what I do, then there's going to be those moments where those worlds collide. And we need to be able to step across those lines and just say, we're in this together. This is a team effort. We're in this together. And here's the easiest solution. When you're at home and there's something that needs to be done, there's work to be done, you're a team. Get her done. It's that simple. And move on. But we've got to get some tools to help us be able to accept, understand, and accept our differences. You remember in the previous series, the previous series, we were talking about the separation of church and hate. And in that series, one day we were talking about it. And we said, you know, the reality is everybody, every person thinks what they think, say, and do makes perfect sense when they do it. I mean, no matter how dumb it is, we think it's the right thing. We think it makes sense. It's perfect in our own minds. In marriage, we can project our attitude and opinions on our mate. We can do things like this. We think, well, they should think like I think. Or we think, well, they should do as I do. We say things like, this makes perfect sense. What don't you understand? That's never a good way to enter into a conversation, by the way. We think things like, this is obviously the right way. What's a matter with her? Well, what's the matter is you're a dude and she's a woman. Get over it. Or you're a woman and he's a man. Get over it. We, we can't cast those things. Take my word. In, in a marriage, it's a good thing that we're different. <laughs> in a marriage, it's a good thing. That marriage is for a man and a woman. God created it that way all the way through every aspect of it. It's a good thing. Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans said, if a husband and wife are identical, one of them is unnecessary. We need to figure out how we complement each other 
not combat each other. Guys, this is a semester-long course on the biological genetics that we, we can't unpack fully today. But I do want to give you some resources. I, I want to give all of our folks today some resources. Kevin last week mentioned Right Now Media, which is a great resource that our church subscribes to and is free to anybody uh, who wants to use it. You just go on our website. You go to the Adult tab at the top of our website. You scroll down to Right Now Media. Click on that. They may ask you for just a very short uh, like registration thing, or they may ask you to set up an account, but it's free. Don't worry about it. And you just figure out your own account and password. But once you get there, I want to give you some names. You can do a search under marriage or relationship, but I want to give you some names. Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott. Fantastic, fantastic uh, marriage therapists, counselors. We use a ton of their stuff in our, in our marriage programs, our marriage counseling. Dr. Henry Cloud, fantastic, fantastic. Kim and I, we've gone away on vacation. Uh, I've taken our computer and just watched Dr. Henry Cloud stuff one session a day just to kind of work on our life and our marriage, make it the best it could be. Uh, Dr. Gary Smalley, Another great uh, writer, thinker, counselor, Dr. Gary Chapman, the same thing. Look those people up. Spend some time together. I don't care how long you've been married. It can always get better. It can always get better. So spend some time doing that. Then There's a Christian psychologist, Willard Harley, that wrote a book, His Needs, Her Needs. And, and once again, don't have time. I'm just trying to give you some stuff to, to, to get the, the, the mental juices going, to think about things, to work on things. He lists her needs as affection, conversation, and trust. And then realistically, he lists his needs, sexual fulfillment, re- recreational companionship, and respect. All those are, they're not right, wrong. They just are what they are. Those are real. And the more we understand what our, our spouse's needs are. If, you, if you're not married yet, not currently married, you're going to, the more you understand their needs as man or woman, the better off it's going to be. And the Bible summarizes it with these words in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. Which takes us to the final thing and we're done. What if we could just put expectations aside, be real, and just be who God created and called us to be? Just be who God created and calls us to be. Now, to do that, what we have to remember is God wants the best for us. God wants the best for us. He's on our side. He created us for good things. He wants the very best for us. And so there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, the apostle Paul, inspired by God, shares wisdom for marriages. It starts in verse 21 where he simply says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now I want to land there for just a second. Because there's one word in that verse that's going to come up again. And because of societal issues and definitions, it causes conflict. But I want you to notice, what's he say? Submit, submit to one another. So who is he talking to? Men or women? Both. Both. 
He said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He says, both of you, both of you just understand God loves you. Jesus died for you. And we are in this relationship. So we submit to one another because that's what Christ wants us to do. And now look what it says next. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Now, that's where we run into problems in our world today, isn't it? Because we don't read verse 21. We start at verse 22. And our world wants to say, women shouldn't have to submit to anyone. That's slavery. That's horrible. No, if you read it in the context of verse 21, where he starts off saying, we all submit to each other. But he then says, wives, here, you were created in such a way. Now, what he's really talking about is how the guy was created. And just a minute, he's going to get to how the lady was created. But he says, wives, submit to yourselves to your own husbands, just as you would to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior now as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything because I created your husband to do certain things and you need to let him do that you need to let him do that and then he goes on and talks to us guys husbands love your wives now he's saying that to the husbands but he's addressing the wife's greatest need He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing through the water of the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. Guys, here it's this simple. You need to be sacrificial leaders. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He's willing to die for her. Now, Most of us are never going to be called to literally die for our wives. But the challenge is to live for our wives, being sensitive, their desires, their needs, their interests. Women, be that supportive partner. And listen very carefully. Being the supportive partner is not second class or absent from decision-making, nor a servant or a maid or a mistress. It's just a supportive partner. Just as the husband needs to love and serve his wife, the wives need to honor and respect their husbands. Not second-guessing, not being critical, just striving to love and support. Because God did make us different. In that ideal family situation, Mom and dad are there, and little boy, maybe little girl, and, and they're outside and they're playing, and whichever little boy, little girl, doesn't matter. They fall and they skin their knee. They fall and they skin their knee, and they look up, and there's tears streaming down their face, maybe blood streaming down their knee, and they look up and they see both mommy and daddy. Who are they running to? They're going to mama. Because daddy's just going to tell them to suck it up and get over it. Mama's going to love on them for a little while. Because that's how God created women. To have that nurturing part. Now it doesn't mean, guys, we have to be so tough. Maybe we ought to do some loving on them. But we're made different. So here's the bottom line. Bottom line today. Learn to embrace the unexpected. Some of you all, especially in this service, some of you all recognize the name Liz Curtis Higgs. Some of you have read her books and heard her speak, but you may or may not know the whole story. Liz Curtis Higgs, 40 years ago, 
was a loud, obnoxious, cocaine-snorting, wild woman. Howard Stern, the crazy man on New York radio, Howard Stern said one day about Liz Curtis Higgs, she's over the top. If Howard Stern says you're over the top, you're out there, okay? And and so that was who she was. And one day she had these lady friends in her life and they were going to this church and they kept inviting her to come. And so one day just to get them to shut up, she agreed to come to church with them. And when she was at church with them that day, this guy named Bob Russell was preaching And he's talking about this passage of Scripture. And he gets to this point, and he says, he reads where Paul said, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and was willing to die for her. Liz Curtis Higgs kind of snidely turned to her friend and said, I ever find a man who's willing to die for me, I'll marry him on the spot. Her friend quietly looked and said, one already did. His name is Jesus. Liz Curtis Higgs said that haunted her for weeks. Haunted her so much that she kept coming back to church Sunday after Sunday. And five or six Sundays later, she found herself in the baptistry giving her life to Jesus. And now she's a new woman with a new ministry. All because... That man, Jesus, died for her. See, I, you know, this is a series on marriage, but the most important relationship you can ever connect to is that relationship with Jesus Christ. It's been awesome already to see people doing it this year, giving their life to Jesus. What's been awesome is seeing so many adults do it, giving their life to Jesus. We've seen so many men this year that kind of sucked it up and said, I can't do this on my own. And so I want to challenge you. If you need to give your life to Jesus, let's get it right. If you've done that, while Ethan and the team lead us, once again, I just want to ask you to pray. I just want to right where you're standing. Maybe you need to kneel at your seat. Maybe you come come down here. I don't care. But just pray about your relationships, wherever it is. If you're married, pray that God will make it stronger. If you're not currently married but want to be married, pray that God will lead you to the right person. If you're married and it's not good, pray that God will help fix things. Just whatever your relationship, just ask God, would you help this situation? Because when I try to do it on my own, it just doesn't seem to work out. And so I need you. I need you to step in and make things right. Would you guys stand with me? As the guys sing, there'll be folks down here at the front. If you need to talk to someone, if you need to pray with someone, Jason's going to be down here. We've got other folks to do it. Maybe you just need to take care of what you need to take care of right where you're at. But let's get right with God right now.
We're glad you guys are here today. If this is your first time here, man, we are so thankful that you chose even a rainy day and you came. Man, that's a, we've got a gift for you. Out in the lobby. Brett and his team are out there. Uh, they've got a special gift for you. We'd love to, to meet you out there. I got to say, welcome uh, my brother from another mother. Uh, some of you guys remember uh, Pastor Daryl Harrison from the Washington Shores Church of Christ in Orlando, Florida. He used to be in Louisville and has been a friend of our church and one of my dearest, dearest friends on the planet that just uh, came up here for, uh, un- unfortunately, for a homegoing service on Tuesday for a friend, but just came and hung out with us for the weekend. So I'm glad that he's here. Um, I got to remind you, ladies, if you don't have your ticket for Fresh Grounded Faith, get your ticket today. It's going to be awesome. It's really going to be awesome. And here's the deal. If you don't want to come into the big room or whatever, there's a virtual option as well. Kim is back at the table today. Stop back there and get your ticket because the deal starts Friday night at 6 o'clock. All right. So get it done today. All right. Then the last thing I just need to let the church family know about as we leave, uh, we love our staff. We've got an awesome, awesome staff. The downside of having an awesome, awesome staff is other people want your staff sometimes. And Kevin has been offered and accepted uh, the position as the lead campus pastor uh, in Georgetown for Southland Christian has a campus there. Uh, Southland's the church I grew up in. It's an awesome church. And they have offered and Kevin has accepted the role as lead pastor at their Georgetown campus. Uh, and Stacey will be moving after school uh, is over this year. Uh, he'll be here with us for about three more weeks. Uh, March 14th will be his last Sunday because he needs to get there before Easter uh, and get settled in. But he'll still be living here in Shelbyville. He'll be around. He set things up well with people who know how to run what he's doing so we don't have to panic and 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 jump and make a quick decision on a next move. Uh, so if you see, just love on them. Love Love on uh, Kevin and Stacy and their kids. They've been here seven years and done an awesome thing, uh, but just an awesome opportunity that God presented for him to take a lead role uh, in that church there. And we're excited about that for him, although we are saddened uh, that, uh, that they won't be here with us every Sunday. You guys got to hear him last week. Uh, and uh, so if you see him, be sure to love on him some. We will let you know, Dennis and I are formulating some plans and how we're going to, we'll let you know next Sunday how we're going to honor and celebrate Stacy on the 14th. But uh, we're sure that the, the news is going to start hitting the media and stuff, social media especially this week. So we wanted you guys uh, to know that and so that you could love on them. Thanks for being here today. Uh, if you're driving back home and you have to drive through water, be very, very careful. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Let's go change the world.